Well, hello and welcome to the Fremont Podcast with Seth and Nova Reddy. This is Stephen Robles. We're in our North Carolina recording studio. Long story. We <laughs> so first of all, sorry for the delay this week. <laughs> right, um, right. But, you know, it's been crazy. It's been crazy, y'all. We are we're going to try to get this thing out as fast as we can, but it's it's not our fault. No. It ain't our fault. No, no, Completely. Right. You know, so we got, really? you know, I got two Yankees here in the room. Now, me. wait a minute. And I'm, you know, I'm, Easy. I'm, I'm Easy. from Polk County, Florida. You're outnumbered today. Now, some so. people try to claim that Florida is Yankee and it, that it's not really South, but that's only because they never lived there or they've never <laughs> been there. Can I get a witness even from y'all? Is, is, is Florida got some Southern parts? It definitely represents. I mean, Polk County. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can't get around that. Yeah. So I, I just call yeah. it the county. If you want to call right. it Southern. I call it the county. See, so you don't come up in the county. Mm. talking trash you don't come up in the county trying okay. to front okay i don't know so what you're you're saying. i don't county. know these words but yeah <laughs> you got to come correct okay okay, okay. Or, it is an or you gonna catch something place sheriff it's... grady ain't oh, no, that is true that. Sheriff there Grady. Ain't having now it, i will so. say the first time i was ever called a yankee was by your own father <laughs> yes and the See? first time i had ever heard the term He's in got that the phrase of discernment so <laughs> what I, what we're trying to do on this trip we 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 took this trip we're trying to get the yankee out of uh, brother oh, Stephen here and, mm. and sister Nerva, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so we got the mini Winnie, the, the Winnebago. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> we loaded yes. this joint up with. Uh, it look, we looked like the Clampus, like seriously going down the road. Yes, and we were, it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a what an eight hour trip. It's a ten hour no, straight ten hour drive. Yeah, yeah, from Florida to North North, Carolina right, mountains. Right. It took how long? Eighteen hours. Well, we total. don't really know how long it took, right? Because we hit a time. When warp. did we start? We did. We hit a wormhole somewhere. We started at eight thirty in the morning. Okay. And we got here at like two. Yeah. And and we can't account for it. We don't know why. I was Our- nervous from the get. Let me just say, <laughs> when I heard this idea, I was like, "We going what now?" <laughs> but just even putting it out there. <laughs> even including the stops, it doesn't equal plus eight hours. I'm not sure. Right. The uh, math. I think we really out. we really hit a wormhole. We need to get Dr. William Lynn Craig on this with his theory of time. <laughs> exactly. And find out what happened. Exactly. Because we we really don't oh, know man. what happened with that. And the generator broke, and yes. we were like, oh, my we were trying to yes. figure some mm-hmm. stuff out. And and you know, just to add all this to it, why we didn't get this podcast <laughs> on time? We were supposed to do it. We were actually going to do it in the the mini Winnie. That's right. On the way, on the up, way up in the back. This is a motorhome for those Yankees listening. <laughs> The Mini Witty <laughs> is a motor home, just so you know. An okay. RV, okay. right? An RV. That is how I knew it. Yes. And so the gener- when the generator breaks, that means we had no power, so we couldn't right. run our stuff. And so that's what made it not our fault. The second reason it wasn't our fault is because last week, um, so so just as a side note, I'm, I'm stepping back into my master's degree. Oh, like yeah. It's been years. So I started right. the uh, the Biola Science back in Biola. Right. program at yes. like, what, what was it, babe? Like 2001? Something I would like, say two. No, 2003 two or, three, or four or something like two that. Or three. I can't remember. She claims I didn't tell her. I that still I was stand on that. That <laughs> in you never said program. I, I have heard stories. About it. You never just saw books start arriving at the house. <laughs> right. But I just I, look up and you're in school. But anyway, yeah, I, carry I went on. to this p- apologetics conference that she allowed me to go to in Providence, Rhode Allowed. Island. Allowed. And they were having, they had a booth for it. And I, I, I know that I told you. He signed you. up on the spot and came home. No, no, and no. Apparently, <laughs> it was like I know better than that. Oh, I'm in school. I know better I'm than like, that. I'm like, wait, what, what? So I came back. I had some of my favorite professors yeah. in it, and all these guys that I that I really looked up to. So I asked Nerva about it. And she said, yes, I could go to school. I don't recall. So that. I went to school. I jumped in school. I took Just about two it. years. Right. And then we moved down to Florida and took a, yeah. a job at Southeast. So I was like, I, like you know, basically crazy. I was too busy. I had to pause it. And I kept meaning to pick it up this right. whole time. But so it's been like, I don't know, nine, ten. That's, yeah, it's a span. Yeah. Ten years later. And I was like, I called them up to see if my credits would still be good. And they said, you know what? If you hop in it soon, you can keep them. So I was like, I'm not letting this thing die. Hey. So I took Good's one hour. Work. Good this day. semester, brother Steven. One hour, all right. One hour just to hop back in it. So I thought everything last Friday, I thought it was the beginning of my class. So last Monday, uh-huh. I look at the syllabus, and Friday's the end of my class. <laughs> oh, my word, bro. So I, it was bananas. So I had like, I had, I don't know, 500 pages, like 20 exercises, like oh, probably 20 hours of lectures to listen to. So hopefully my professor doesn't hear this but literally i was <laughs> i was listening to lectures while i was reading and doing exercises it, like i had to do it all at once oh, my and word. i hit that thing for what like 12 to 14 hours every day 
And then like the last night, it was Friday night. I had to turn it all in by midnight at California time. So literally I was like nine hours into listening to these lectures and writing these exercises. And I, and I thought I was going to go crazy. The same mode you were in when you registered for school the first time. And go. I look up and I was like, what? Here we are. It's all yes. good. Yes, yes, yes. So we've, he went back in that mode. We've had many heated discussions. Mm, uh, lively over, discussions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lively discussions over my schooling. But I think this time but you, you, were, did good, you were ready for me to you. hop back in it, right? I, I, you have my support. I have my, support. Well, you got, you I heard it. It's on, it's on the record, brother. It's, it's on record. You can note it. It's noted. I do support you in this. I appreciate And I'm so that, proud dude. of you. You did great. He got an A, y'all. He did oh, somehow. Man. I don't he know how that happened. But I turned it in. and then Yes. And he couldn't open it. I had to get up the next day. It was just drama. Now, are you doing the, because I looked at Viola. Yeah. And I applied and was accepted. Have not taken a credit yet. Hopefully one day. (laughs) That's coming, And I have not applied (laughs) to Viola. Put it out there. Nor will I. But, but. You're getting the splash off effect. There you go. Now, they have a master's in Christian apologetics. Is yes. that the one you're doing? Or is yeah, it so different? they have, they're kind of both under the heading of apologetics. We right. have a master's in apologetics and a master's in science and religion. And okay. I decided to do the science and religion one because gotcha. you had to have a, a math background or a science background okay. undergrad. And my undergrad was in math. And so I was like, you know, this is more specific. Right. And I was talking to a friend at the time and I was like, just asking them, like, what do you think I should do? Which one should you think I should take? And they were like, well, I've never heard of apologetics. I don't know what it is. So maybe the science or religion one, because that sounds better. <laughs> Fair enough. So that's kind of how, you know, no that's kind of okay. how it went. I was like, people don't know what apologetics is. Right. And so you say I have a master's in apologetics. They're like, okay. Now, I will say there's one PhD in apologetics available yeah. from Liberty. Right. And the prerequisite is either a master's of Christian apologetics, like they have Biola, right. or an MDiv, which, which mm. is a master's of divinity. Difference of 36 credit hours between an Yikes. MDiv and a master's of Christian apologetics. Yikes. That's why I was seeking the latter. No, man. Like, <laughs> well, I hope mine qualifies as apologetics if I decide to do Because so, I actually yeah. have thought about doing that program at Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. So Liberty, if you're listening, you're out there. If you want to sponsor <laughs> a couple of us to uh, do the do the page. Or just give you an honorary oh, doctorate, maybe. Yeah, just just go slide, that honorary on. slide it across this the table. Is. I saw they gave Brother uh, brother Pence one of those uh, at the... That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, okay. the, when he spoke here at the graduation just recently. I feel like honorary. if you already have a doctorate and then you get an honorary one, like that's cool. But if you like don't have any Ooh, kind of doctorate from anywhere and you slide that, like I'd feel funny being called doctor. I mean, I would still enforce people to no, call bro, me doctor. You gotta, but, you gotta uh, stand up under it, brother. Just... <laughs> All well, right. Listen, half the doctorate these days are basically well, a certificate, well, anyways. Hey, okay, all right. On. That's what <laughs> Dallas said. We got a bunch of people with uh, a bunch of uneducated people with higher degrees, brother. Oh man! Ooh, but uh, that's the next podcast. <laughs> that's the next podcast. <laughs> right, right. No, but it it is a great program, actually. Yeah. So I took um, this class it was uh, logic and critical thinking. Oh, and we actually just talked about uh the importance of logic and reason in a couple podcasts ago. i think you were right. gone for that one or you might have been there for that one i can't remember yeah. but anyways it was a good refresher course on um really really diving back into the logical fallacies the right. formal logical fallacies like straw man ad, ad hominem all those kinds of mm-hmm. things and you, Red had, herring, you had to do a, yeah. yeah you had to do a bunch of exercises oh, pointing man. out which one was which and that'd be work right there then yeah, diagrams sure. like if, if all s's are p you know, that means that no, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. are not P and no, you know, and they had the square, uh, I forget the modern square of whatever, where you do the contradictions, the contraries, okay. the subcontraries, the sub alterations. Oh Anyways. That's I, a one credit class? One credit class. And listen, <laughs> this guy was, he, he was, he was, uh, he was rolling in on this class because he was not playing. <laughs> Like he assigned when I looked, and that yeah. was another thing. I was like, "Oh, I can knock it out in a week." Once I saw what was there, I told Nerva, "I was like, I don't, I literally don't know how I'm gonna do this if I'm gonna get this done because it was a mountain." Oh my word! So I'm gonna try to actually but get him on the podcast. Love. That'd yeah. be amazing. Professor yeah. uh, Ken Samples, he's with an organization called Reasons to Believe. Um, mm. Out of, I think they're out of California, but anyways, it's a good refresher. Next podcast we do, I think I'm gonna pull out some of those pieces from uh the class because i think they were really helpful and they're going to point out i'm going to make the claim that most of what we see on twitter is actually mm. logical fallacies 
probably a good yes. 95% of what we see. So uh, that class was really, really helpful with that. I think one of the fallacies that always sticks with me is the genetic fallacy, which is yeah. to say you only believe something because that was the culture you grew up in. Right. And it's, I think one of the things you see the most a lot on social media, at least I see people saying like, well, you grew up in a Christian home or you grew up X, Y, Z. Yeah. And they just push it off to that. But so many are contrary to that. I mean, Ravi Zacharias is a huge example. Right. And most people who grew up in America now, parents might be atheists, you know, right. Now, right. if you're, but so anyway, it's interesting. No, it's really, kind of it's really helpful. Man. And, and the, I think even uh, Ken Samples was saying, you know, when he first started really getting into logic, it made him a smart aleck. <laughs> and he was like, sure. I had to learn. He said he learned immediately not to use it on his wife. So mm. I promise you, babe, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to call you out on your fallacies. I have stepped up my argument game since No, I you have, <laughs> for, sure, for sure. But here's the thing about fallacies. A lot of times we use them because it's the easy way to get your point across. Sure. And you kind of manipulate people psychologically because it's so much easier than to actually deal with an argument just to call someone a name or discredit for them sure. um, by something, you know. So, you know, I think you're right about that, Stephen, that there's so many, so many we could point to. And it is very helpful to learn logic and to understand these fallacies, if yeah. nothing else. But anyways, uh, that was that was just our quick uh, update for you guys on why we're getting this in late today. But we, uh, but this will let you know the dedication mm. because we're up here in this cabin. The internet is just atrocious. <laughs> Pretty rough. Apparently, up here in these hills of North Carolina, they just uh, it comes, internet. Internet. What it comes by ox cart? I think they just drive it up once a day. They sprinkle it out like milk at the door front. Here's your internet for the day. You know. So I had to I had to download this uh this driver for this thing yeah. we use for a mic and it didn't work on my computer. So I got my mom's MacBook from two thousand and eight, I think. Two thousand eight, yeah. like seven. This maybe. thing like you you click on something and you wait about thirty seconds That's right. to That's highlight. It. It's vintage. And somehow we got this thing downloaded. That's right. This driver. That's right. We pulled up garage we're working on garage band, y'all. Wow. That's it. And this is an old garage band too. Okay. It's not the new garage band. Yeah, man. See? This might be the original. This, and I keep looking at it just waiting for it to like exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's holding in there. So, so you know, the okay. devil tried to block it, but we said, hey, what, what? Not, not today, today, Satan. Come that's on, it. Amen. Come on, <laughs> we said, he ain't going to stop us. That's, that's right. Uh, but anyway, sorry, y'all. It's late and the altitude is high. That's right. So we're a little uh, off kilter tonight, but we're going to try to do our best to bring you something of mm-hmm, substance. Mm-hmm. What are we bringing today, Brother Well, well I'll tell you what we're bringing. Um, I actually tweeted about the other day they uh Ben Shapiro mm-hmm. hosted uh William Lane Craig on his Sunday special. Yes. And if you're not familiar with uh Ben Shapiro, he is a he's young a young guy, probably early thirties. Something like that, yeah. Orthodox Jewish. Orthodox Jewish, say. yes. Uh, I wouldn't know if he was Reformed Jewish or Orthodox, but like not a Messianic Jew, so he's Orthodox Jew. Uh smart guy, like really, yeah, really really smart, really quick, uh witty, funny. I think I showed Nerva, I, I came across him probably about six to eight months ago, and I can't remember why he popped up on my feed. And if you if he ever pops up on your feed, it's like Ben Shapiro stomps, you know, student. <laughs> ben Shapiro makes sure. leftist snowflake yes. cry. And, and, you know. He is very much, a, so you had talked about him several times. Right. And I finally, on the drive up, <laughs> we had a drive up to North Carolina. I listened to his episode. It's his Daily Wire show. Right. It's available as a podcast. And he is he speaks fast, you know, which oh, yeah. is very which fast. is fun to listen to. But uh, he's very persuasive, very convincing. Yeah. He does have facts to back up what he's talking about. And he will play that disc jockey sometimes and just call names. Just right. in jazz, never like harsh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he'll, he calls uh, the woke left. He says that often. <laughs> yeah. And... um Fresh a faces. snowflake. He, he says, fresh what's, faces. That's my fresh. favorite. Like he talk, he <laughs> oh talks about the fresh, fresh faces, faces in the, in yes. the Congress, and he's like, and he always says, no matter what, so like, fresh, in, so it's his dry humor. So he'll be saying, and and then you got the fresh faces, so fresh, so face, and he, every hilarious. time, and then he's like, incredibly fresh, and incredibly he laughs face. himself. Great. He does, yeah, he laughs himself. Anyway. And he is a he and his wife practice Orthodox Judaism. Oh, okay, you know, and they uh, live in Los Angeles. But it's interesting because. um this guy, whether you like him or dislike, I think when I first w- showed you nerve, you did not care. I for wasn't him. immediately attracted. I right. think the tone was a bit harsh for me. But yeah. you know, once I you know honed he in on the content, a- content, I was like, okay, he earned my trust more yeah. along the way. But initially, I was like, yeah. Ooh, this interview okay. with William Lane Craig for me was a good inroad because I heard awesome. him in that kind of a calm environment. 
really right. a civil discussion. If you listen to his radio first, you really get that. He's bringing like abrasive sound. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he kind of can be the smart aleck, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't know. That's that's kind of what his draw is for a lot of people. And and I think, like you said, Steve, one of his main statements always is facts don't care about your feelings. Right. And so. I think the reason why people like his voice in the mix is because in all the craziness of the political discussion, so many times it's just one logical fallacy after the other. Right. And he's one of the guys that are kind of standing there. And at least you might disagree with him. And I actually do disagree with him at times, but um, at least he's thinking and right. he's bringing facts to bear. And, and right. the other, the other part I actually really respect and appreciate about him is he goes into these colleges and they, absolutely hate him like he gets uh <laughs> deplatformed often he mm. like people are yelling and screaming like wow. when he does these um college campus tours and stuff which is and, just you know I, I, I hope our listeners think about that when most of culture is spewing about tolerance and then you hear about someone like ben shapiro or someone else being shouted off a college stage just right. think about that inherent contradiction yeah of yes you're preaching tolerance but being extremely intolerant of well, this person right. or this group of people, namely Christians or conservatives. So no, that's a great that point. And another, another interesting thing about him is when he, he wrote a book, I think on the, like the hidden agenda of Hollywood, he, where he mm-hmm. interviewed a lot of people, including, um, what was the, the, what was that show, babe? The, everybody loves Raymond, the lady from that show. And, yes. Uh, I can't, um, I can't remember. The wife. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And she was her being pro life and how you couldn't right. let that stuff slip out or, you know, you couldn't, it definitely couldn't let it slip out that you believed in traditional marriage or you would be. So she, he actually talked to her and um, her character name is Deborah Barone, but her actress name is Patricia Heaton. And Ben Shapiro asked her, Have you ever lost a job because of your pro life stance? Mm. And she immediately said, No, I don't think I've ever lost anything. Yeah. Then she went back contacted her agents and asked specifically and her agents revealed that she had lost seven jobs in Hollywood because of her pro-life stance. Wow. They had just okay. not shared it with her. Interesting. So yes, in fact, she did okay. lose work for that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, and one of the things that's happened the last few years, like anybody in Hollywood that's basically said, yeah, I like Ben Shapiro or I like the stuff he does. Like immediately they were just uh, like Twitter roasted. Hmm. And so a couple people that, Thought like even disagreed with him, but said, you know, but I think he has some good points on some stuff. They just like lit into him and they basically said, you're right. Ben Shapiro's awful. <laughs> and they had to, you know, acquiesce backtrack. Yeah. Yeah, and backtrack and, and basically to keep their quote unquote moral credentials in that world. Right. They had to say he's an evil villain. One of the other, right. one of the ways he typically gets misrepresented is they call him part of the alt-right um, often in right. the mainstream media. And actually it's, it's ironic because he actually has to have security full time now because of his strong statements against the alt right. Wow. Um, to protect himself from them. So the alt right okay. basically is a it's a it's kind of an extreme part of the right, quote unquote, politically. Mm. But what makes it what separates it from just the conservative kind of regular right is the fact that they believe that Western civilization is better because of um, white supremacy. Mm. Like they think it's better because it's the fruit of white people and they think white people are inherently better. So that's what makes the alt right, the alt right. And Ben Shapiro, if you, if you've read any of his stuff and listen, he's, he obviously denounces that over and over. But the media loves to present thoughtful uh, conservatives in that way many times. So they paint him and Jordan Peterson, Mm. even, you know, African-American lady Candace. Oh, and they, they try to paint her like she is the one that caused the shooting that happened, um, with the, uh, I forget, uh, the the church one was in there. No, it was actually, yes. in New Zealand. Zealand. Cause the guy in his manifesto or whatever had referred to her work, which her work doesn't, you know, push you in that direction at all, but he just, right. and so the, there's this tendency to kind of lump those people as much as they can in these categories. Um, but anyways, Ben is, uh, I think I, w- we probably have grown to have a lot of respect for him, even though we disagree with him. And, but I love, I, I, not in everything, but on some issues, but I think, um, in his uh, Sunday specials, I tweeted out, if you watch these specials, you'll probably learn more in that than you would in many four-year undergrad programs. Mm. And I think it's probably true because they really do have thoughtful discussion. And yeah. he is a guy that really, he, I think he graduated from Harvard a 
political science or something yeah. like that. You know, he's a smart guy. He's probably the kind of guy who should have come out of it being more along the lines of the culture, but he came out of it, I think, with a more classical view about um, Western civilization, about mm -hmm. religion. And he recently even wrote a book on that, kind of the combination of Jerusalem and Athens, metaphorically mm. how Greek philosophy and revealed religion through the monotheistic faiths combined to create Western civilization and why that's a good thing and what, what the parts are of that that we need to hold on to. Wow. I bet his roots played a part in his understanding of the times today because a lot of yeah. college students enter into college. I've read this, that they enter into college believing that relativism is is yeah. the key, is yeah. the way, and they see the world through those eyes. But yeah. he certainly doesn't. No, he no, has no. a strong, strong worldview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he expresses it very, very yeah. sharply. So, yeah. And and I'll, I think you would say this too, Bay. I would encourage anybody, no matter what, part of the political spectrum you're on to mm -hmm. listen to him if you care about political issues i think he's right. worth listening to and responding to if you disagree with him but but if you you know find what he's saying compelling i think he presents a a strong case for thoughtful conservative politics right one of the things he talked about in one of his last episodes was the heartbeat bill in georgia yeah. And there was a bunch of backlash because studios in Hollywood are saying they're not going to film there and all that. But in all the headlines, it was saying that this heartbeat bill was going to make it possible to prosecute women who get an abortion and send them to jail. And that's right. what all the headlines said, like heartbeat bill can send moms to jail. And he, he actually quotes the bill, article section and all that, saying this only allows for prosecution of the doctors who perform the abortion and has no ramifications on the mom or the the woman who is receiving an abortion. Yeah. And so any of the prosecutions on the abortion doctor or who has performed it. So those things that get twisted in the news headlines, I think he was doing a good job of explaining the details yeah, yeah. that, you know, you're never going to see the article section of the law in one of these right. news articles. And he yeah. was pulling that out. He so usually tries to quote the original sources when they're relevant yes. and talk through them point by point. And that, that like so responsible. every day, I, I think he does like two hours on video. It's, it's wild that he's able to do that mm. much, but I think you learn a lot more about current events going through that than you do, you know, watching the mainstream news yeah. networks for sure. So this isn't meant to be a pro no, Shapiro, no. uh, promo here for his thing but i just i do think it's worth checking out if you're interested in politics yeah. um but he had this interview uh, he right. interviews people kind of mostly in the political realm but occasionally mm -hmm. he'll have like christians and and he has a respect i think yeah for christianity and for christians and, and he has many christians that follow him right so i think he understands that and he recently had on there john MacArthur. i don't know if you saw that one but nervous you watched I did. that one, right? it was really good yeah, it's really, really good. And uh, so it's cool that he he has these people on there that he has fundamental religious disagreements with. Right. But he has open and honest, uh, thoughtful conversations. And I was really I was glad to see uh, William Lane Craig being on there because yeah. one of the things I noticed about mainstream media and we part of the um, impact 360 uh, things we do every summer. Part of that camp is to go to CNN. And you learn kind of behind the scenes and it's not all like, you know, Ooh, CNN's bad, but they're just showing them a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. But we, they did tell a story. One of the speakers there uh, for impact 360 one time, I think it was in California. They were having, it was during the same sex marriage uh, debate or whatever, right. maybe proposition yeah, eight. More early on. on that. Yeah. Early on. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to get an evangelical perspective as well as like the other side, you know, they, they always kind of had the, more left-leaning perspective, but they right. wanted to also get an evangelical perspective. So they called this person and they said, yeah, come up here. And while they were on their way driving, I think it was a two hour drive. They said, just tell us what are some of the stuff you would say? And, uh, you know, he gave them a real thoughtful, this is a person who's really thoughtful in right. detail. I think they had even written a book on it. So about 30 minutes later, <laughs> they called him up and they said, you know, I think we found somebody else. And he looked on it later that night and they had this guy that was just like yelling and screaming um, about how awful it was. They had no facts to back up their position. So in other words, wow. they went and they found the worst possible representation of evangelical Christianity that they could. Right. And they highlighted them as the paradigmatic Christian in this debate. Wow. Okay. And that's very intentional for many, most for sure. mainstream media 
outlets are, you know, politically and religiously left. And so they're, this is part of the, the bias that's built into it, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, and there's a, you, you want to get your ratings up. And so the yeah, more truthful and the more too. plain and calm a, a show is. Right. The, yeah. You gotta, ha- you gotta have that Jerry Springer You know what I'm element. saying? You have right. to have that element of, oh, shock and surprise yeah. and just offense and that's what gets your ratings up for sure these days, so. i don't Not of, i don't them, often see it flip though where the <laughs> sure. christian is the calm one in there true and then the crazy irate one is the one representing right. opposition so that's the interesting part and that's why you yeah. rarely will i in fact i don't think i've ever seen dr craig interviewed on mainstream exactly. media outlets one time they interviewed vody bacham on cnn and he gave his perspective on one of the, I think it was the Ferguson thing going on. And he mm. knew while he was talking, he said, well, I'll never be back here again. And of course, <laughs> why not? Because he, he gave a thoughtful presentation of the non-woke position with regard to Ferguson at the time. Interesting. In, in other words, he wasn't, he, he was saying the evidence in that particular case to him, he didn't think it supported the hands up, don't shoot narrative. And they didn't know he was going to come in there and say that. So when he did it, and it was a live situation, they were wow. they were like, "Well," and he knew that'll be it for me because if you you don't want to break the narrative that they're right, you know, trying to get across. That's interesting. And you know, Vody's a smart guy too. So yeah, he did absolutely. And you actually you can find it, I, I believe, on YouTube if you really? look it up. Hmm. But um, anyway, so Craig doesn't get a lot of uh, airtime airtime on these situations intentionally you won't find them you know you wouldn't have found him in a larry king interview or anything like that when i think he should be like if any station that highlights someone like stephen hawking i i think craig is on that level of brilliance like uh, even non-christians have said you know this guy's in the top one percentile of philosophers alive right and so it's it's weird that he never gets highlighted like that. But it was cool to see Ben do it. And Ben asked him, you know, basically, just what are your, you know, what are your arguments for the existence of God? Yeah. And Ben actually does presentations on that as well. I, I mm-hmm. personally don't think that's his strongest area. I think right. he's more well-versed in, in the political arena. Um, but I'm, uh, it's good to see that he presents those arguments when yeah. he goes out and speaks on college campuses and stuff. So it was cool to interview, you know, William Lane Craig has his book on guard and then reasonable faith, but on guard is basically the arguments for the existence of God and the arguments for why Jesus Christ is God revealed and yeah. why Christian faith is exclusive uh, amongst all others. That's the whole book. And uh, I thought this interview was awesome because Ben Shapiro I don't know if he led him this way or if Dr. Craig just steered it this way, but he basically gave a few of those arguments. And then he talked about Jesus and talked about the new Testament. He talked about the resurrection. Then he talked about his personal experience. So I think if, if anybody wants an insight into what William Lane Craig does, I think this interview is a great example of, um, of those arguments and how convincing they are when presented from someone like Dr. Craig. For sure. And he, you know, he gave, Ben asked him like, what's your, what's your favorite argument and what's your most, you think your most right. compelling argument. Right. And he said, for the existence or, of God or? yeah, for the yeah. existence okay. of God, like uh, he didn't, maybe didn't say favorite. He he might've said, what's your, um, or what do you, argument do you think? What's is your go-to? What do you think is the most effective yeah. in the college right. arena? And he used the two, he used the Kalam yeah. cosmological argument, uh, which, which is, is everything that begins to exist has a cause. Premise one. Premise two is the universe began to exist. Conclusion is therefore the universe has a cause. Right. And in order for whatever that that cause must be a timeless, bodiless, infinitely powerful, all that being uh, in order to do that. So, and you break it down. And he even talked about some of the objections and did that really well. And the second argument he he sat on for a while is the moral argument, which I thought is again really applicable on college campuses. That's what he said. Like this one, he said the moral argument tends to be. Yes. More effective with the college students because they bounce back and forth. You could talk about those premises as well. But. <clears throat> yeah. You want me to break it down real quick? Go ahead and break it down. <laughs> Premise one, if God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. That's premise one. Premise two, objective moral values do exist. And then the conclusion, therefore, God exists. Yeah. And it seems like a simplistic conclusion, but the problem is you have to either object to the first or second premise. Right. And so if you look at the second one, 
objective moral values and duties do exist. If you press anyone far enough, they would most likely admit that they believe there are things that are right and wrong for anyone at any time. And again, in college campuses, Dr. Craig points out tolerance is one of those things now right. where any college student would say you like, you must be tolerant of other people. Yeah. And if you are not, you are inherently wrong. Yeah. And so you press them on those issues. Like, okay, so you believe in objective moral values. Right. Well, the only way you can have an objective moral value is if there is a God who exists that is the arbiter who is that. And I like how Ravi says that it, in order to have right and wrong, you must have an objective moral law. And in order to have an objective moral law, you must have an objective moral, moral law giver. Right. And that has to be someone outside of, humankind. Otherwise, everything is subjective. Right. We're just deciding what we want as a society. Right. But for something to be objective, apart from our mind and what we think, there has to be an external arbiter. And so hey, that's it. And, and most people will jump between those two premises, as Dr. Craig says. They'll either say like, okay, I concede objective values, but this and this and this, so no God. And he's like, okay, well, let me go back to objective. And then go back and forth. And usually Dr. Craig says that they'll tie themselves in knots. And right. Come to, they'll have to come to terms with their belief yeah, that man. either I do think there's objective moral values and I have to figure out where they come from, yeah. or actually, no, I believe everything is relative and most people will not go there. Yeah. Because they it know. really becomes unlivable. Right, exactly. And we all know, like, it's like that clip we played before with JP finding that guy, what he, what he really cared about. Right, like everybody, right. everybody thinks there's some things that are objectively wrong. You just got to kind of right. find their buttons. Right. So it exactly. exposes what's really there. Yeah. And then Dr. Craig talked about Jesus, uh, which Ooh, interesting. So riveting to me. Yeah. That was yeah, an, so intense, <laughs> an intense part of the like, interview. All eyes in and ears in just like, wow, what is about to happen here? Because I think it takes a lot of integrity on Ben's part to invite someone yeah. who has a different opinion. And he even said, we're not going to come to a consensus on this, but I want to hear your side of the story. That right. takes integrity yeah. and humility to even bring someone who's such a scholar like him onto the show and just, hey, let's go yeah. at it. Let's see. What are your reasons? Yeah. Well, I, I honestly like think about it. I'd have to go back and watch the interview, but I mm. don't know if he knew. He was going to take it there right. okay. when he did because right. um, even on a – so Craig sends out these monthly newsletter emails or whatever right. that I get. And um, on the email he said when he got there they just quickly met and it was real friendly like Ben was real friendly, upbeat, kind of <laughs> joked around a little bit. But he said pretty much they sat in the chair and just went. Wow. Like they, they just got right into okay. it. And so you can tell – when they started talking about that, Ben was kind of like, you know, this is less interesting to me. I don't want to really, you know, get into this. We're not going to, he was almost trying to get off of it as soon as possible. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. one thing about Craig, because he's, I mean, this guy, he's literally debated the best um, antagonist, antagonists to his point on each right. of these topics in right. the world. Um, so he's not going to be intimidated at all, no. nor is he going to like, stop you know and, he, and he's never unkind but he did kind of like he 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 got through the whole argument and then even he when kind of been through you know he kind of likes to throw those uh rejoinders in there where he can and move on which he threw in well what about those guys that you know believe in a mess messiah in the 1990s and right. and he and craig you know quickly looked at him he was like uh, i bet there wasn't an empty tomb right and and what he was pointing out is, is it? It's not just the belief, and he was pointing out there are three lines of evidence that have to be. You have to give a hypothesis that best explains those. And in these other cases, wherever you mention, it's not necessarily the same because there aren't those three lines coming together. And that's that's we talk about abductive reasoning. So the other, the other arguments Stephen gave were deductive arguments. So that's where the premises. If the, if the premises are true and deductive arguments and they're valid, that means they're set up right, then the conclusion follows necessarily. Like it can't possibly be mistaken. So you have to deny one of the premises in order to deny the conclusion. An inductive argument is based on more like probabilities. So, you know, you drop a ball a hundred times and it's always the same rate, falls at the same rate. You reason, well, it's highly probable that the 101st time that I drop this ball, it's going to be the same rate. Mm -hmm. But it's never certain. The conclusion is never certain. It's always a range of probabilities. Mm -hmm. And most of our reasoning is like that. It's inductive. 
It's based right. on past and what we learn. Like wisdom is like you've done this enough, you kind of see right. where it's going. And it's reliable even though it's not certain, mm-hmm. more or less, given the, the degree of the strength of the right. inductive argument. If it's, it's, it's a good inductive argument, it's strong and cogent. An abductive argument is like lawyers do and, and diagnosticians. So when they're in medicine, they're looking at, you know, here are the symptoms you have. And then they say, well, this, this ailment best explains these symptoms. Right. And there are different, um, there are different things they're looking at when they say this best explains inference to the best explanation. But right. this is also something we engage in every day. Right, right. You know, you walk in, especially you, Stephen, with your kids and, you know, you see like a cookie's missing, you know, the one kid <laughs> loves the cookies and like, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to it, you know? Mm-hmm. I know the most probable. And you see the crumbs <laughs> on the on the shirt, you know, you, right. you can infer in a lot of cases. Yes. You get really good at those abductive inferences. Right, right. And, you know, detectives that are good, lawyers that are good, all these things that are, um, all these people that are good at this process, they get really good at it. Brother, I was not expecting you to just squish that ant with your hand, bro. Y'all didn't see this, y'all, but there's... <laughs> In these mountains, there are spiders and ants that will, like, chew your face off. That was big. It's like Jurassic Park. This thing was climbing right over my shoulder, and I'm explaining abductive reasoning and killing this thing. You didn't miss a beat either, brother. Hilarious. (laughs) I just just saw it fall. I said, okay. Yeah, man. Listen, you got to go with it. You got to go with it. This is serious. Uh, Uh, Yes. But, yeah, but you you had something you want to say Yeah, would you... For somebody listening to this podcast who has never heard of Ben Shapiro or William Lane Craig, you had mentioned where William had studied and some of his professors. Would you give that background and why we we were probably more excited about this interview than most interviews? But yeah, yeah, no, sure, for sure. Let, let me come right back. Sorry to, about me, that. No, no, no. <laughs> you don't have to say sorry, Ben. It's great. <laughs> I just want to finish this. Ad, so okay, go ahead. And then I want to. I do want to talk about that because I think that's worthy of talking about. Yeah. But the abductive thing. So with the with the resurrection, what separates it is the unique uh, strands of evidence that come together. And what Craig says is like New Testament scholars all over the board. Like these are people like Bart Ehrman that are agnostic or people right. that are even atheists. These aren't like New Testament evangelical scholars. These are people all over the board and virtually all of them recognize at least most of these lines of evidence that he's referring to as something that you can't really deny historically, yeah. rationally. Like the resurrection. Yeah, and, and this isn't based on, for them it's not as though they're, they're not starting with the presupposition that the New Testament is from God. They're looking at them as these are historical ancient biographies. And when you look at them like that, what things can you discern by, by the standard practices of historiography? And they say these three lines of evidence emerge from that. And then what theories best explain these lines of evidence? Mm-hmm. And the theory that best explains it, Craig says, is that God raised Jesus from the dead. If he raised him from the dead, then he is who he says he was. And he spends a bunch of time laying out the case for the self-understanding of Jesus, what he taught about himself, what he thought about himself. And he compares that theory to other naturalistic theories like well they hallucinated it or Mm. conspiracy well the disciples stole the body that was Mm -hmm. one of the original um explanations that the jewish leaders gave at the time so anyways and i want to stop and do a little plug right here again for the um class uh, from impact 360 that we're we're all going to take this summer i'm i'm telling you now Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. go take this class impact360.org the it will be in the show notes. Take I, I would I would recommend this. Watch the episode on Ben Shapiro and William Lane Craig, and then go sign up for this Impact class because yeah. it'll whet your appetite, uh, and, and just kind of create that tension. Like here here's a here's a really smart, gifted guy that's courageous and loves truth from an Orthodox Jewish perspective, and you could tell by the by his responses to Craig I don't think he's seriously wrestled with the depth of the re- of the evidence right. for the resurrection right. I could tell he was kind of throwing the standard yeah, the yeah. standard responses that if you've read Craig's work you wouldn't give those responses that he was given you right. might give other ones but you wouldn't give those because he covers those in depth and shows you why for instance he was trying to say well it's so long ago you know history and what Craig shows is well now he said well now Ben you know he was almost talking <laughs> yeah. to him like like a father or like yeah, a, yeah, like yeah. an older uncle really he was like now you know you know what matters is not the distance from between the event and now what matters is the distance, the time between the event and when it was recorded. 
And Ben conceded. And he conceded he that. Said, yeah. So you could tell he hadn't really probably read that part of Craig's work right. in depth because he actually <laughs> shows based on Paul's work that Paul actually quotes some of these early um creeds. Yeah, early creeds. First Corinthians 15. Exactly. Creed. That go back to within 3 to 5 years of the events that talk about the the some of these central lines like uh, I think it was a these things we passed on to you that Jesus died, he was buried and he was raised again on the third day. Talking about the physicality of the resurrection. And how many he appeared to. Yeah. And then he appeared to To the 500, to to the the 12. That was one of the lines of evidence as well. And so this brings me to your question or your, what you wanted me to touch. He actually, so Craig studied and did his doctorate in uh, theology under Wolfgang Pannenberg in Germany. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, now Germany is a, is like a hotbed for liberal theology. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, since the Reformation, it it had like a lot of rigorous theological thinking going on, but it but it began to slip more and more into like theological liberalism. Well, Wolfgang Pannenberg basically came in, and Craig says he he kind of exploded the scholarly world out there because he gave a resur- an argument for the actual right. physical resurrection of Jesus based on this Pauline passage that really was so good that people had to admit, man, this is a, this is a reasonable, even if you don't accept the, cause most of them in Germany, you know, wouldn't have accepted the Bible. They probably wouldn't have accepted like a real physical resurrection of Jesus. So this guy comes in and does that. I don't think Pannenberg himself would be conservative Christian by any means, probably doesn't believe in biblical inspiration, at least how we would cash it out. Anyways, Craig did his doctorate under him. Um, and so that's where he really yeah. dove into this stuff to the nth degree. And Craig has two doctorates, one right. from the University of Birmingham, England in philosophy. Yep. So that one was actually right. under a guy named John Hick. Mm-hmm. And Hick was one of the leading, I think, um, analytic religious philosophers in the world. And it's an interesting story behind this. He, he tells that his wife, they, he said they were kind of like, I think it was during his master's degree or whatever at Wheaton. And she was like, what would you want to do if you could do anything? Money wasn't an option. And he was like, man, I would love to basically study under this guy in Germany. That's the leading historical resurrection person. And I would love to study under the leading philosophical religious guy named John Hick in the UK. And Mm -hmm. so they basically decided just kind of do everything they could live poor and do whatever they had to, to to move to these places and do these double doctorate doctorates and um john hick unfortunately i think has moved away even before craig studied under him so you know he was in this rigorous world of studying under these guys that wouldn't be by any stretch considered evangelicals but i think he under them it was such a pressure cooker that he really developed these arguments so well yeah that they stand the test and and you could see that in the interview that like you were like man as smart as ben is at a popular level like Dr. Craig was on another level. You can look in the right. comments and people were like, man, this guy's kind of like way over my head. I don't really know what he's talking about, right. which is unfortunate. You don't want that. But, right. and honestly, cause I only say this cause I've, I've watched Craig stuff and listened to it for years. So I actually bought some of his classes from Biola and I actually got to take a class from him in that master's degree on, oh, time, on God and time. Yeah. And that was a real neat privilege. And I, talked to him about a few things, you know, I don't want to bother him, but I went up and asked him a few questions that I had for him. But, um, he really, um, is one of the, just the most brilliant guys in the world. And that interview was actually a really, really popular level presentation of those arguments, believe it or not. Like that was as pretty low shelf as he could put it. Um, so when you read some of his scholarly stuff, it's, I mean, it's, you really have to, I mean, he breaks down like, for instance, in his books on, I think he has a whole book on a critique of the A theory of time and the B theory of time (laughs) separately, where he actually breaks down Einstein's theory of relativity and talks about how it doesn't necessitate a B theory of time and how temporal becoming is real and all these kinds of stuff. So dude's a smart guy, smart guy. And what I'm saying, and the only reason I bring that up is because John Lennox used to say, we as Christians, we don't want to be intellectual idolaters. Mm. We don't want to put that in a category that's above 
what it should be like. But I think for Craig, he would, he says the same thing cause he's not trying, he's doing it as a ministry. But the reason I point out the brilliance is because there is, and Ben talked about this. There is this tendency in our culture to think if you're religious, it's because you're gullible. If you're religious, it's because right. you don't think hard and you don't right. think logically. Right. And here's what I actually read this book. It was by, Many of the popular level atheists, I don't find them to be that compelling, but there are a few brilliant ones. Um, There's Graham Oppie, who's just incredibly brilliant. Bertrand Mm. Russell was, I mean, he was really, really brilliant analytic philosopher. J.L. Mackey was one of the greats, but there's a guy at New York University named uh, Thomas Nagel, and I read his book called The Last Word. And he gets to the end of the book and he said, you know, I'm made, I'm made uncomfortable by the fact that many of my close friends who are, who are the smartest people I know are religious. Wow. And he said, and he basically confesses in that paragraph. He said, I don't believe in God because I don't want the world to be like that. Mm. Thomas Nagel is actually smart. Like I would put him in a much higher level thinking than like a Richard Dawkins or Christopher mm-hmm. Hitchens. Like he's brilliant and fair minded. Wow. Um, but I'm saying all that to say there, some, I've read when I read guys like Craig and then I listen to other atheists, there's, I just wonder if, because there's a ministry drive behind it, if these guys are working even harder because I, I've found Christian thinkers at the highest level to be as brilliant or more brilliant than the most brilliant people I've read that are atheists. And right. I, I've found that with uh, Craig's work with Alvin Plantiga, um, William Alston. Uh, there's there's another guy. Uh, what did you say, babe? Yeah, J.P. Moreland, Dallas Willard yeah. in the moral realm. Um, John Lennox. Just, yeah, John Lennox. There's so many people that I just want to encourage you that the, the, the Christian faith mm. is something that stand, we, we stand on the shoulders of giants, and it is it is something that can withstand the most yeah intellectually rigorous work and and I honestly have found Christian thinkers to be a cut above for mm-hmm. the most part I mean, like yeah. I said, there are brilliant atheists out there, but by and large, I think because there is um there is the strong desire to be epistemically virtuous, to be honest and to be careful and to not want to misrepresent Christ. And so that's what I saw in that interview, honestly, like, cause I, I think, you know, we, we enjoy Ben, but I was like, man, there's a, there was a whole nother level right. involved with, with Craig's thinking and his presentations of the arguments. I've been listening to Dr. William and Craig released a new podcast. A whole new, he has a reasonable faith podcast, which I recommend. He has the defenders, which we've talked about. And now he has in the arena where he's yeah. publishing full debates between him and, and other people. And he did one with Bart Ehrman and it was about the resurrection. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's just, it's masterfully done, but how calm Wimbledon Craig is throughout the entire argument, yeah. still always staying on point, addressing the questions. It is, it's refreshing to see, and it's nice. If anything, like you're saying, it's nice to know that we yeah, stand yeah. on the, the shoulders of giants. And we are, so you we know, know, we're part of a community, and we can't all do that work. You know, right. most of us aren't going to go to Germany and do a doctorate under Wolfgang Pannenberg. You know, or right. go, but. To, to know these guys are in the body, we can draw from them, we can yeah. learn from their work. Now, I will say this, this was interesting, um, just to, to throw forward to another podcast we're going to do, but there were was some buzz uh, on the Reformed um, side. Not, not everybody, but there were a few guys that really don't like, they don't think William Lane Craig's approach to apologetics is biblical, mm-hmm. the right thing. Right. And I actually watched a video today by a guy named James, James White that, and I, and I picked up some of the arguments White was given and I actually wrote them in to Craig's website cause he does these questions of the week. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping he'll pick that up and respond yeah, yeah. to it. Um, so y'all be on the lookout for that. But if not, I think we can, we can kind of break it down and, and talk through it in the future as well. So, you know, there's always going to be, both sides where you're getting, he gets a lot of heat from the atheist side. They don't like that. He, one of the things he does that's unique is he brings reason and faith together. And he doesn't, he doesn't make a stiff, like he doesn't hermetically seal one from the other. And, and even Ben Shapiro, I think in his book does, um, he's, he's like the gift of Sinai is merely revelation. The gift of Athens is merely reason. And for Craig, there's, there's some overlap there. And in the, one of 
last debates I was listening to from Craig, there was a Q and A, and two of the people asked questions were Christians addressed to the atheist, yeah. and they were saying, "Well, faith is believing, or um, believing in what is unseen. Yeah. You know, faith is what is it? Basically, faith. belief without evidence. Right. Well, in the Hebrews verse, of faith is the oh, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen." Right. And after the atheist answered the question, both times William Lane Craig says, I wholeheartedly disagree with that definition of faith. He says, I believe faith is confidence yeah. after knowing the reasons and studying and understanding yeah. the whys and the hows. Then we have faith, which is the confidence yeah. to believe in something that is true. It is not a blind faith. And right. he's, you know, it wasn't a you know, a heated thing that he was telling to the person, but he was st- strong about it. Right. You know, of all, all the things that he told the atheists, it was a different tone, but I think he had the most to say to the Christian community that was like, stop saying that. Stop right. saying well, that. Because what's know, happening there, I don't think he, he's not saying he disagrees with that verse. No, he's no, saying not at he all. He disagrees with the view that faith is this blind leap into the darkness that we right. don't have any knowledge of. Right. And that verse is typically misused. Yes. to prop up that idea yes. when that verse isn't really given a definition of the Greek word pistis so much as it's just saying actually Christian faith, when you have it, it is the substance right. of the things that we anticipate to come. It is the evidence of things that we hope for the substance right. of what's to come. So that's the idea is that that faith mm-hmm. is tangible and that it's like the, it's the initial down pause down Payment. payment and deposit of what's to come. Yeah. And so, yeah. but you know, I, I think you're right about that. And, and I wholeheartedly recommend his work. And, um, again, that impact 360 teaching, uh, the, the course on the resurrection, they actually have, uh, original footage of him talking about these things That's as awesome. well as John Lennox. Mm-hmm. And they go through these arguments like step by step. And they really, I think they put it in a way that's, that you can really get it and grasp it and you can yeah. help not only understand it, but you'll be able to, to articulate it to your friends. Cause I do think this is one of the most important apologetic arguments we have Absolutely, as Christians. And it can be effective with people from all different right. ideological spectrums. And when you know how to lay out those strands of evidence and say, man, this really has the best explanation of this yeah. data. And I would encourage you to look into that. It can be really powerful and, and it's really strengthened my faith. We've said this before, yeah. but, um, one of the, th- William Lane Craig's ministry in particular has probably been the single most, um, faith strengthening ministry for me, him probably a combination of him, JP Moreland, Dallas Willard, and, um, Alvin Plantiga. Mm-hmm. combined have really helped to give me that faith, that confidence for sure. that Christianity is true. And now that faith has become a substance in my yeah. body, in my right. life. And it drives me. It's like, it's, it's tangible. Now when I get up and Nerva could attest to this, but like, I remember literally having times leading worship when I was in college saying, I don't know if God is real or not. Sure. And now I lead from a different place. When I get up and lead worship, it comes mm-hmm. from a different level of confidence. And, and it's not mathematical certainty, but it is confidence and it's yeah. knowledge and it's right. reliable. So I'll leave with one recommendation. Yep. Um, if you want one place, an inroad to William Lane Craig, he has a book titled, Did Jesus Raise, Rise from the Dead? Yeah, yeah. It's a short, it's a 90 page book. Uh, you know, you could read it in afternoon and it's the arguments that he gives over and over again. And he explains it really well. Layman's terms, not super heady. I think it's a great intro to it. You know, yeah. don't start with long two hour debates and all right. that kind of stuff, but the Ben Shapiro interview, yep. definitely it's on YouTube and we'll link to that and to that book. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Yeah, and uh, two great in- inroads yep. to Craig. All right. Well, from the North Carolina Hills, <laughs> these two Yankees, <laughs> And his brother from the county. Mm. We'll catch y'all next week. (laughs) Talk soon. (laughs)